The science of the interview this evening. How do you crack it, depending on which side of the table that you're sitting on? That's what we're looking at tonight. The science of, brought to you by the global leader in water and energy solutions, Grundfos B. Think innovate in studio with us this evening andrew woodburn managing director at amprop woodburn man uh, we're going to do the do's and don'ts we've got to get the idea about the weird questions what if it's going badly what do you do how much is too much um and which, which side do we want to go first we want to be the interviewer or the interviewee which which way are we going to start this andrew woodburn good evening bruce great to be with you again um i think the answer to your question is for all those listening out there what is an interview about? You know, what's the generic stuff you need to know? Okay, so how'd what that we, work for you? All right, let's do that. Uh, so, I mean, because most of us are going to go through more interviews, looking for opportunities than um, they're going to be taking interviews. You've got to be in either an HR, and then you should be knowing what you're doing. So, for those of us who who go through interviews, um, looking for a, for a gig, an opportunity, um, give us the context of the interview then. So, of course, in some cases, the interview strikes fear into the heart of the interviewee. And certainly it's something you want to get your head around so that it doesn't happen to you. But long and short of it, often you don't win it in an interview, but you can lose it in an interview. And the reason is, in many cases, the engagement with your prospective employer isn't necessarily dependent on one interview only, but rather a much longer process. So you've got to prepare your mind that you're in a bit of a marathon here. It's not always the sprint. Except for those schoolgoers who might be listening, who might be having an interview, whether they're going to be a prefect or get a, a graduate bursary there, of course, the process might be a little bit shorter. Uh, but long and the short of it, you need to know why you're there. You know, not all interviews are equal. Yeah. Uh, what are you there for? Be prepared. Probably rule number one. Uh, you're not going to win it by just thinking your character is going to pull it off uh, and busk your way through it. And in that kind of part of the preparation, who's doing it? Is it an owner, an MD, a manager, HR, an agency? Because each of those individual interviewers is going to conduct their kind of investigation into who you are and why you're there differently. So you've got to have all that ready. Uh, you've got to know your game. And then long and the short of it, as I said to you, this is the marathon. How do firms conduct or, or agencies conduct these processes? And I've roughly given you five uh, stages of it, and these might happen in different orders, but the long and the short of it, you need to be ready to go through the following. First of all is pre-screening. In South Africa, we have many, many people who apply for almost everything they see. Make sure that you are meeting the requirements. Don't waste your time or your interviewer's time if you don't. It's so interesting, isn't it? Because of the the high levels of unemployment in South Africa, the 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 the, the risk of not applying for a job means that you may be out of a job. So rather apply for everything. And if you get the interview, you got a far better chance of getting the job than you ever had before. So you simply go for it. Yeah, so there is the shotgun effect, as you've just said. And, of course, that happens at more junior levels, too. You've got to take your opportunities when they come. But the screening process, you've got to pass it. You're not going to win it in the screening process, but you've got to pass it to get the interview. So make sure, just within, as with any application, you've got your ducks in a row. Um, and that includes your CV. It might be a telephonic process. Globally now we're even having pre-scripted web-type interviews. Uh, you're playing to pass here. Uh, your character's not going to win it for you. So make sure your data is in order. If you make the first interview, it's now game time. But this is essentially a high-level match. Are you appropriate for what they're looking for? And that's what you've got to get through. 
Um, and that is the first interview, and we're going to deal with the details of that in a little bit. But let's stay with the marathon for mm-hmm. now. Uh, if you pass that, potentially you then get a second or more interviews and or a panel interview, which comes with a completely different set of dynamics. And there they're going to scratch a bit deeper. They want the detail. They want to look for culture match and various other issues. So you're not done yet. If you pass that, then you move into the assessment space, things like what I, what I refer to in this discussion we're having as the hard science, and we'll talk a little bit about that later, uh-huh. plus references where everything is getting double-checked. Um, our economy can't take second chances any longer, and we've all seen in the news individuals who get in where they shouldn't have been, and so we're tightening up, and so are companies tightening up on who they let through the door at this final uh, set of assessments and checks. And then last but not least, and in some cases for those of you going to interviews, it's about the offer. Well, how much am I going to get to do what you want me to do and how you negotiate that? And so if you get through all of that, essentially one would hope by that point in time the black and white arrives with an offer for you to sign on the table. Uh, That sometimes can be all done and dusted in one interview. But as you want, one climbs the career ladder, it's going to take you a lot longer than that. And in some cases, can go along for six or nine months even. At the level at which you operate, and um, you operate in the very scarce, uh, elevated resource, uh, resource narrow resource seam that is the executive market in South Africa, and in some cases, um, dealing with global executives who are either looking for opportunities in a place like South Africa or for South African companies looking for foreign executives with global experience to to come in. Do you ever have these people sort of juggling two or three balls at once? Or are people generally quite disciplined about this interview process? So certainly this is something you do need to master. And as I've said, it's a a life skill that you're going to have to win at if you want to progress your career. Um, The other side of your question is around career strategy. And certainly that's as important. You will be asked in an interview, Why are you here? Why do you think you're right? Why is this right for you? What do you want to get out of this? And certainly you need to practice and answer that question before you arrive in the interview. (laughs) So your answer is, you know, robust and meets the requirements of those people you're talking with. How do you know what the requirements are going to be? I mean, how much prep do you do? How much in-depth knowledge do you have of the company? I suppose there can never be too much preparation. You've got to do your homework. You've got to know who you're meeting, why you're meeting them, what the job's around, which is usually fairly well specified because you're there for a particular reason. And then you need your homework on the company, your homework on their past decisions, your homework on their current performance. And then on top of that, the icing on the cake, you need to present enough general knowledge so that you give the interviews an understanding that you have a grasp of the environment you're going to be in. Uh, fail at one of those, you immediately are sort of getting deductions from your ability to go to the next round. Yeah, I mean, if you're not, if you're not going to, if you sort of flunk it in your first or second round, the odds of you cracking it in the fourth round, unless you were sick or, you know, I don't know, had ADHD on that day or whatever it might be, um, you, you have saved the, the pain and embarrassment of going to the higher levels. Yeah, you're not going to make the next round. Time is money. 
there's many people in the pipeline. The labor market is highly competitive and highly skilled. And if you if you don't make one of the rounds, your chances of getting through to the next round are probably very small. Let's go through some of the detail. I mean, many people have been very creative. Uh, let's be kind about it with, with with CVs and embellishment of CVs. I went to this university. They're not going to check if I got a PhD or not. I oh, think I'll sorry. call myself Dr. Whitfield. It's been tried before, Bruce. And sorry oh. for those who think they're going to get away with it. I'm afraid there's uh, companies like ours that will go through the fine detail because our reputation is on the line as much as the individual's. So I put a few little thoughts together of the things not to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are rules of thumb, but certainly we will uh, investigate, we will double check, we will verify and validate whether you've done this. So just don't lie. <laughs> uh, there's absolutely no point in it. And in particular, we know you want to impress the interviewer. And if they ask you, have you got experience in mergers and acquisitions? Have you got experience in running a certain machine? And you haven't, rather say to them, I think I've got four out of five of what you're looking for, but on that particular issue, I've no experience. And, and don't cover up what you can't do. If you land the role, very quickly, your uh, inabilities will be discovered. Uh, and, but, the, but also the temptation in that particular case, you got the four out of five, you're rocking this interview, you uh, feel like you this is job is yours, you really like the four out of five that you're good at. Now, you don't know how to drive the tractor or operate the heavy equipment or do the M&A activity. Then you start talking a lot and you start promising things that you may or may not be able to deliver. And one of the risks of going into an interview situation is that you – Start talking just too much at some point. So waffle, mumbo-jumbo, or long extended answers only do two things. They show an inability to be concise, succinct, and clear against the interviewer's question, number one. And number two, in many cases, you end up shooting yourself in the foot. You say things that open the door for further questioning, and if you're in trouble already, that might sink you all the way. So answer the questions you're asked, and... If appropriate, don't offer more than you need to. But, of course, you need to be personable, too. Uh, and that's there's often a difficult balance there because you may have quite an effusive personality and you want to tone it down in the interview scenario. You may um, be quite shy. Maybe you come across as being quite defensive. Maybe you come across as somebody who makes excuses. Um, all of these things are things to guard against. How do you do the warm-ups? How do you do the training for these interviews? Do you do it in front of the mirror? Do you put yourself in front of a video camera, get somebody to ask you the question? you really don't want to answer and see how good you are at it but what's the process is there a a, a better process so so if you go on the web which i did just to check what bruce whitfield was on about and to make sure that i could access material that all your listeners can access there seems to be two let's say guaranteed methodologies of going towards an interview the first is be sincere individual and honest and certainly that's something i buy But the second was quite interesting to me in that there is research that proves that certain interviewers will prefer to receive well-oiled, scripted responses, not untruths, but what exactly you've asked me. Have they been practiced? Are they clear? Are they concise? And that you can do with mentors. You can do with colleagues who, um, if you're going for an internal promotion, would be able to help you and give you feedback on how clear and well-articulated your answers are. So certainly there's very many ways to do it. 
For those of you sitting at home who say, I don't have a mentor, I don't have a colleague who can help me, you know what? Put your smartphone against the wall and <laughs> film yourself and then evaluate your answer afterwards. That's part of the practice process that technology helps us with. Oh, but it certainly does. Confidence in that interview process. There's a thin line between being confident and being cocky, being confident and appearing brash and arrogant. Being, yeah, There's a line somewhere. I'm not sure what that line is. Certainly, and I, and I think overconfidence is, is often um, a failing of the youth. Um, and certainly, you're sounding old, you know that. Yeah, thank you, sir. <laughs> and that's certainly an environment where that practice also helps to bring things back to reality. Uh, it's about being able to develop the self-awareness that you have of how you're behaving in the interview. And again, that's practice makes perfect. What if it's going badly? What happens if, you, if you're having an off day? You go into the interview process, it's either level one, two, three, or four, and you just know it's going badly. Do you ever backpedal and say, you know what, guys, could I just leave the room and come back in again? Because I think that I'm not representing myself particularly well here. Or do you just tread water Soldier on. (laughs) You're losing, but boy, you're just going to, you're going to, you're going to fight through this thing. Yeah. So it's a very, very good question. I mean, I think actors who might get stage fright have got to face a similar kind of dilemma. Certainly reversing out the room is not the way to play it. That's not how, you know, your company that's potentially going to hire you would like you to behave in a meeting where this happens. But modern-day leadership and self-awareness says rather have a deep breath, uh, look your interviewer in the eye, say, my sense is this might not be going as well as I want it to. I'm finding myself flustered. Uh, I'm going to have a breath, and I'd like to go back to that question and give you a more thoughtful answer because the insight is that I didn't necessarily present that as well as I would have liked to. And I think that's honest. It's personable. It's sincere about your self-reflection, and it's probably, in my opinion, the very best way to save a bad situation. We're talking to Andrew Woodburn, the managing director at Amprop Woodburn Man. The science of the interview. How do you crack the interview process? It's a stressful thing. Now, we're going to go on to the real scientific stuff, the, the, the stuff where it's harder to bulldust your way through. You may be charming. You may be personable. You may be the best interview candidate in the world. But if you're talking rubbish, the science is going to catch you. We'll talk about the science in a moment. So let's get into the deep science then. Andrew Woodburn, manager at Amprop Woodburn Man. He is somebody who places executives in high-paying roles. Um, the the science of the stuff. This is. I mean, do people still do what are the psychometric tests where they work out to see if you're crazy or not? Absolutely, Bruce. That's part of the the hard science, is what I call it. And the hard science is not only around psychometrics, of which there are many types. You know, I'll call that the head shrink. He looks in your ear and sees if there's light shining in the other side. (laughs) (laughs) Just joking. There are many, many assessments that, you know, have now been globalized or gender and race neutral and have uh, been benchmarked around the world against senior executives or technical experts or even young individuals who uh, clients are looking at, at in terms of their levels of potential. Um, The critical thing about assessments is don't try and game them. Uh, These assessments have been practiced, they've been tested, and if you try and go and fool it, uh, there are indicators on these assessments that 
bring to the attention of the assessor that you haven't been truthful and you're trying to pull a fast one. So uh, this is how advanced these assessments are. And certainly we would do that at the end of an interview process to dot the I's and cross the T's and check that an individual, let's say, has the horsepower to attend to the tasks of the role. But there's other things. There's case studies. There's inbox exercises. There's negotiation role play. What's an inbox exercise? So an inbox exercise is there to assess how you prioritize against critical and usual critical reasoning to determine what's important, what can wait, what uh, is fluff. And what they do is essentially they're giving you a, a, a random inbox of emails, for example, and they give you a fixed period of time, and you've got to then choose the ones you would attend to first and, and give rough answers of what you'd do. And that gives, of course, it's pre, pre-selected, and then the assessors can and have a view of how you respond to that kind of exercise. Uh, it goes down to technical roles where if you're a designer or you're a, or a software engineer, they might ask you to write a quick piece of code to do a particular task in 10 or 20 minutes uh, to double-check that you do have what you're claiming to have. So so that's the science, but in, in particular the psychometrics and the scenarios and, and the case studies are very well worked out and benchmarked over many, many individuals. The scenarios, the sort of role play stuff. Some people may feel a bit silly going into an environment and playing pretend, pretend. But it's, 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 it's a, is it a critical role? Or is it, does it have play a critical role in the assessment process? If your chosen company or interviewer uses that as their protocol, then yes, it will. Not everybody uses all of these instruments. Companies have determined which tools work for them, and then they try and use those regularly because it develops a consistent uh, database of individuals who've come through into the business and what they achieved. So it depends on where you find yourself. Not everything is used everywhere. No, and and is it? I mean, you also, I suppose, your research about the company. If you're good at the stuff, uh, you will have a pretty good idea as to what their interview protocols are. Um, and yeah, you're not going to go into a room and go. So, where's the role play? No, we don't do role yeah. play here. Oh, and and in most cases, remember that um, hiring processes have to comply with some basic conditions of employment. They're not there to catch you out. They're there to stress test what you are offering to make sure that it's robust enough to be successful for the role they're looking to fill. Companies aren't looking to hire individuals for them to fail. That's hugely costly and not good for anybody. So it is about a matchmaking process uh, designed for to facilitate success in the long run. All right. Then um, the lateral thinking stuff is really interesting. Michael Yordan in our Solutionist Thinking podcast series. Michael Yordan was saying that uh, he was asked a question in, in his interviews at the bank at, uh, at R&B when he went to go for his interview there. And they said to him, you know, Johnny and George are two scratch golfers. One scored 15 points and the other one with 10 or something along those lines. Mm, I forget the mm. exact question. Um, how did that happen? And you're so distracted by the fact that these are two scratch golfers that the simplest answer eludes, ev- evades you. But Michael Yudan got it absolutely right, and that is they were playing tennis together. Um, it's, it's that sort of lateral thinking test yes. um, that often separates the wheat from the chaff. Or the management consultants love this stuff too. <laughs> so depends where you land up. But look, at the end of the day, my opinion of, of professional interviewing is that this is the – color to the interview it's not the it's not the meat and potatoes of what they're trying to determine you know what they're trying to determine is what do you bring to the party can you do the role and how are you going to fit within their culture but the lateral thinking does um, question 
parts of your delivery, your creativity, your lateral thinking ability. I mean, for an example, I was a judge on a, on a Rising Stars competition, and I, my question was, uh, and this was in the days of Jacob Zuma as president, you know, you have a direct line to Jacob Zuma, you have one minute, what are you going to tell him? And numerous young individuals answered this question, but the winner said a very clear and easy uh, to understand line. He said, I'm going to tell the president people are going to do what they see. And that was the winning answer. So there was no right answer to the no. question, but it's thinking on your feet. It's being able to use your general knowledge. It's being able to pull together uh, unique, uh, different data points and perspectives in a way that in many cases successful employees are able to do. So you shouldn't be afraid of them. You should give it your best shot, preferably if you can explain your thinking. And in my opinion, that's the best you can do. Two, you know another colleague is going for the job, especially internal interviews. Is it ever appropriate to diss a competitor in the interview process? You know, Johnny, I don't know, um, steals paper clips. Yeah, so certainly you want to always be constructive. You want to be creative about what you bring and how you bring it. You can be comparative, and that's part of what I call the soft science of verifying your results. So you could say, well, uh, company blue versus company red. I was in company blue, and at that point in time, our results looked like this versus our competitor, and we took market share. That certainly is a very neutral way of being competitive as opposed to dissing your your competition. Uh, But you can use that kind of opinion to benchmark where you happen to fall. But certainly you don't want to be generalistic. You don't want to be uh, destructive. You don't want to be negative. And you want to show a constructive and positive approach to the questions you've been asked. How do we settle the money question? Thought you'd never ask, Bruce. I mean, this is often... This is the part uh, of the interview where we get to the money question. Of course, it's the money show. Um, And certainly this is something that's a very delicate um, conversation. We tend to find that our younger interviewees want to jump straight to what is this paid. Uh, don't do it. This is a, the interview process is about matching you with the opportunity. And if you're great for it and you shoot the lights out, you will be rewarded appropriately. But now let's get to the actual money. There does come a time where you are certainly empowered to ask this question. And often we would say to our candidates, where are you now? What's your cost to company? What are you earning? And I think you've got to put those cards on the table. And then you can very easily ask, well, what are they thinking of paying this? Are they limited to a Patterson band or a particular remuneration structure? Are they market related? And how am I positioned in terms of affordability? Uh, And so you would go. But certainly don't make the entire conversation about what am I going to get if I win? Uh, That's short-sighted and undermines what you bring to the interview and the potential role you're looking to fill. So delicate, but it's certainly a meaningful part of the the interview. But the real uh, money time, so to speak, will come when you win the offer. And it's at that point you negotiate what you believe you're worth and why. Certainly, I'm sure a lot of HR professionals out there will breathe a sigh of relief when I say it's appropriate to negotiate one round. But nitpicking forever and ever about 10 or 12 different things in your offer, you're not the right guy for the role. Come back once with any concerns you have. If your um, offer responds appropriately, great. If they don't, it's up to you to make the decision whether this is the right role for you or not. Andrew Woodburn, Managing Director at Amprop Woodburn Man. Good interview. Well done.
You pass. You, You've got the job. <laughs> Andrew Woodburn, thanks very much for coming in for us this evening. Uh, pump systems account for a staggering 10% of the world's electrical energy consumption. A shift to energy efficient pumps can save 50% of that energy. Green Force is, Green Force is the global leader in innovative pump technology and is leading the charge in reducing our environmental impact and further mitigating our environmental deficit by harnessing power from off the grid and renewable systems. For sustainable pumping solutions in buildings, industries and water utilities, choose Green Foss. Uh, change the world. Visit scienceofgreenfoss.co.za. Green Foss, sustainably intelligent energy solutions. We care for people and our planet.